Hey, this is Pastor Tyrone Pete Jones. Thank you for tuning in, listening in. Today's message is why I love the church. You're going to hear about what God's will is for us to be in a place that is home, where his presence dwells, where we can experience him, encounter the reality and presence of the Lord. So I share the reasons why I love the church, and I hope you will be encouraged also to love the church that Jesus Christ died for, that all of us have an opportunity to serve in and to live in until we get to our eternal home. God bless you. Well, good morning to you. Welcome, welcome to Church for the City, where we create a place where you can encounter the reality and the presence of the Almighty God. I'm so grateful that you're here with us. Uh, let's give a shout out to the online campus who's also joined us for this service. We're grateful to God that they, uh, wherever you may be, we're so thankful that you're, that you're meeting with us right now. We've certainly had an amazing time uh, in worship and experiencing the presence of God, and I'm actually going to preach on that this morning. But, but wherever you are, you just know that we are grateful that you're uh, that you're here with us. A couple of things. Uh, this Friday, July 15th, there's been an announcement that's come out through Constant Contact uh, and maybe through other means. Also, you can find it on our website, but we will be joining with United Way this Friday in, in uh, the United Way Drive for School Supplies. So we'll need, we'll need dozens, dozens of people to help pack uh, school supplies for students in our area. Uh, another way, uh, United Way, and we, uh, uh, the partnerships uh, that they join with, that we can help relieve families in our community for the cost of school supplies. So if you're able to join us, uh, please get that information, get it at the Connect Table website, uh, the contact emails that you receive July 15th. I do want to thank you for your generosity. Uh, every time you come in the building, there's opportunities for you to give, as you well know. Many of you give in so many different ways through apps and etc so thank you for being generous next week i'm going to share with you there's three things that we got going on missions wise that i'll share with you we have a team going out to puerto rico uh and so we will we 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 prayed over that team thursday yes well so i'll share with you what they're going to be doing there's still some of those team members that are still uh raising some funds for for them we have a team going to south africa uh that's going to be in the early part of august and so we'll share a little bit about that. And we're going to be joining with uh, Curtin Caleb Van Ekren and Casas on a project that they want to do down there uh, in Mexico for students. So I'll share that uh, with you. All of these things, though, are just products of, of great generosity. So thank you for being a church that absolutely believes God's word for your life. You, you, you cannot, uh, you just can't uh, measure the impact uh, of just giving, just being generous, and God being faithful to us. I, I will tell you, I know a lot of people, even in this economy, things that are happening with inflation, etc. From the reports I'm reading, people are are putting out maybe close to $500 a month more uh, just to just to survive. But I I, I just want to share this, just just uh, just so you know, uh, I can assure you, if you're faithful to God and you're giving. You may have more going out than you do that you normally have, but I'm telling you, you will not lack. You will not lack. That's not, that's not a promise that I, that I can make, but it's a promise the Lord has made and he's faithful. So you, you continue to trust him in time and in offering and you'll, you'll continue to see the faithfulness of God. All right, uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive right on into, uh, into the message. 
Well, Father, I want to just thank you for the opportunity and the time that we are here together. Thank you for the work of you, your presence in the first service. Certainly appreciate you being here with us in this one. Thank you for the energy, the passion, the worship that we experience, the joy of, of seeing Michael Ray being baptized. Lord, there's so many great things that's already taken place, but I need you now to help me. Lord, I want to, I pray that I decrease, that you might increase. I need strength. I need energy uh, from you. So I'm asking you, Lord God, to fill this vessel with your anointing and your grace. May our ears be open, eyes be open to see what the Word of God is saying for our life, hear what the Word of God is saying, and, and uh, Lord, let us magnify you. We pray for Pastor Tom Burks and Stone Ridge, that community, that fellowship, his leadership, his team, his family. Lord, bless them in their part of the vineyard. Uh, may Christ be exalted throughout our county. We pray for every local church, pray for our church plants. Lord, in foreign lands, that you would be with them. And Lord, may, may the word of God, the gospel, spread and spread rapidly that more and more people will come to the saving knowledge of you. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. May the people of God say amen. All right, I want you to stand with me with your Bible, Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'm only going to read two verses, verse 15 and 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Verses 15 and 16. I'm going to talk about the house we love, talking about the house, house of God, the presence that we experience. Second Chronicles 7, 15 and 16. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Can you say amen? You may be seated. Just to give you just a little bit of background, most of you know almost there's hardly any message that you can preach without speaking of either the nation of Israel, nation of Judah, because our, we're founded in a Judeo-Christian faith uh, where the God of the Bible revealed himself uh, to the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, people of Judah. He revealed himself, gave them instructions and guidance on what they're to do, how they're to live their life, how, they to have, how they're to have a relationship with him, which is a precursor of what we see God doing with us as a people, being the new people of Israel, grafted in uh, what our life is, is to be like, the things that we learned in the old, many of them are, again, precursors, principles that we apply now. One of the things that was important in that day was people gathering at the house of God, gathering in the temple, where they could worship uh, together as a community, worship together as, a, as families. Uh, when the nation of Israel was moving, even through the wilderness days, they would establish the tribes in a cross formation, which is a wonderful story in and of itself, how God orchestrated that. But they would, would, would uh, form themselves in a cross formation when they were uh, traveling and camping, and there would be a tabernacle uh, in the middle of them that, that carried on until they got into the promised land. David came along, King David, after Saul, and uh, made, a, made a statement to God that, you know, everyone has their houses, everyone has a place that they go, but there is no house of God that has been built. Still meeting in the tabernacle, whenever people went to meet with God or engage with God, they would go to the tent to the tabernacle. God would show up, as we are, we're going to talk about, but David's concern was there's no permanent place 
where God's people can go, where we know that the presence of the Lord would be there as we see with the tabernacle. So the Lord told, uh, uh, the Lord told David that surely there, there will be a house built for him. There should be a house built for him where the people can come. But he told David that you wouldn't be the one that would build it. It would be your son who would build it. He told David why, reasons on why it wouldn't be him. David was a prepare, but he was a prepare that his son would do the work. Sure enough, Solomon comes along, and one of his first things that he takes on is building this temple, building this place upon Mount Zion, uh, upon the city of David, where David... Uh, where David dwelt, where the tabernacle of David was, upon that location there in Jerusalem is where the first temple was built. Solomon did what many of us do, either when we move into a home, build a home, build new churches, do a dedication. People even do them for parks and all kinds of uh, different things. Uh, he, he did a dedication, brought all the people of God together, brought all the ministers, all the Levites, all the priests together, and they stood at that place, stood in front of that place, and they dedicated that place unto the Lord. Solomon prayed an amazing prayer in 2 Chronicles 6. It's really one that really applies. It, it was for that purpose, but it very much could apply to each of us, how he cried out to God with the mindset that there may be times when your people may stray away, or there may be times when your people may be found out of fellowship. And he asked God, even in those times, will you, the God of this house, the Lord of this house, make a way for your people to return to you, to set the stage for repentance, that you won't cast them out and disfellowship them? He said there will be times when we'll go through wars. People will be scattered. But Lord, will you, you know, bring your people back together and heal us, heal the land? He said we'll go through famines. And he just listed the various things that people go through in life. And he asked God in each of those cases that he would be the God that will help people recover their life, restore their life, heal those that need to be healed, and set free those that need to be set free. Marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. And sure enough, he lifted that up. And in, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, where we just read, is the Lord's response. And the Lord went beyond what Solomon had asked. He assured Solomon Everything that you're praying, I will do. I will do. If my people call on my name, I will heal them. I will restore. I will recover. I will indeed do those things. He even promised Solomon that even, even though you prayed this great prayer, you never asked for anything for yourself, which Solomon didn't. The Lord said, because all of your prayers was for the people, he says, I'm, I'm going to leave you a blessing. And he told Solomon he would be the wisest man on the earth and that he would be the richest man on the earth, would have great honor. He said, you didn't ask me for any of these things, but because of your prayer, because of your faith, because of looking up to me on behalf of my people. And then he tells them what we just read. He said, beyond that, beyond healing the people and bringing them back and restoring them, he said, I'm making you a promise that I will dwell in this house. That house, this house that you're going to build, I'm going to be present there. I'm going to be in that house. And every time people come into that house, they're going to experience my presence. I will be there perpetually. It's not just going to be a house that's four walls, but it's going to be a place that's a home, a home where the presence of God is. 
And, 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 you know, we have the mindset, and my whole goal in this message is for you to love the house of God. We oftentimes do have the, the mindset that the church is just a building, and in, in a lot of ways, of course it is. If it's not this building, it could be another building. It's not necessarily the building that's sacred. But I think it's a wrong concept to think that when you come to this building, you're coming to the place just like you're going to the country club. Or you're, or you're just going to the local school auditorium. No, no, no. When you come to this place, you are coming to a place where our God has promised his presence would be, that he would dwell there, that when we gather together, it would be his presence. And, you know, I thought, of course, my mind went back uh, over my years of raising my family and the, 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 the various houses that we have been in, you know, knowing, knowing uh, indeed that every family has stories and every house uh, has stories and, and probably every one of you can have memories about the various places that, that you lived. And I, I had some thoughts of, of my own, but then I kind of honed down on three, three houses uh, that I've owned that I have raised my children in, three particular ones. One uh, was on 17th Avenue, which is on the north end of uh, of town, 17th Avenue and, and 5th Street. It's just one block, actually, from where I was raised, where I was uh, brought up. Love the North End, still own a home uh, down on the North End. I, I love, uh, I just love everything about the neighborhood. I love the fact that I could just walk to uh, Yuma High School and watch, watch, watch the games. My grandmother lived right around the corner in the house that I was raised in. I asked my children uh, to share something with me about each of those three houses. I'm just going to ask you to indulge me for just a moment, and you'll, you'll see I'm going someplace with it, but uh, about each of those houses, a memory, uh, something about those houses that, that stand out to you. And I, I got to admit, I'm so glad I did it. I, I told my kids this was pretty amazing. It's something I'm going to add to my journal and, and memoirs because, you know, I'm I, when I thought about each house, I'm thinking of each house and how, you know, as a father, mistakes that was made, right? Things that could have caused my kids trauma has caused some trauma, right? And we just, by the grace of God, they're, they're healing. They're getting better in Jesus' name. They're getting better. But, you know, you think about all those things. And so I'm actually kind of bracing myself to see what my kids would, uh, would say and when it came to the 17th house, uh, 17th Avenue, all, almost all of them talked about it being the neighborhood. I mean, it was, that was a hood we was raised in. It was all of our friends was in that uh, neighborhood. Uh, uh, Tiff, uh, Tiffany uh, talked about the place that she said that was the home where she just allowed her imagination to run wild. Uh, Tisha, she said, taught her in Malachi how to do additions uh, and multiplication. Uh, now, she didn't know this affected me, but I know why Tisha had to teach them. Because I didn't know math that good. But, but, <laughs> but, but she, that's where they learned multiplication and addition. They, she talked about they had, you know, just boxes and chests of veggie tales. Some of you might remember veggie tales when, you know, the kids learning about the gospel through veggie tales and, and, and odyssey on VHS tapes, uh, which of course that was old. Someone last night mentioned to me about 
they would let me borrow some DVDs. I said, DVDs? <laughs> I don't even have a DVD player in my house. And so, so, uh, so VHS, VHS tapes. The neighbor behind us, a couple of the kids mentioned this, the neighbor behind us was, uh, played mariachi, mariachi music all day long. I mean, all day long. And so she talked about how she got, she, she prepared herself on a routine on sleeping to the rhythm of the mariachi music at, uh, at night. Tisha talked about a special birthday party she had there that she wasn't expecting with one of her cousins, the neighborhood, children, of course, learning how to rollerblade there. Um, said she banged up her knees every day, but every day she went further and further before she fell. So she considered that a win. The grandma lived around the corner. I never had to worry about if my kids ran away from home. I knew where they were going. They were just going to run around the corner <laughs> to grandma's uh, house. And it didn't necessarily mean my grandma was going to let me have my kids back too, by the way. So, but uh, but uh, they would run there. But in that neighborhood, Tyrone and Tisha both talked about Carver School was right down the road. And every day the kids could go there, even during the summer, and get a free lunch. And so that was great. Ponce's Market was a little neighborhood store where any of the kids in the neighborhood, if he knew the family, you could go there and get everything on credit. So at the end of every month, I'm going down there paying the bill for all my kids' candy, bananas, uh, what those, those pickles in a little bag, those little green pickles, bologna, you know, but, but they could go down there and just get whatever they want. Ponce would put it on credit. Tyrone did mention that this 17th Avenue was his best memory. That was the spot. Kids would just show up without invitation. We would, you know, have uh, Royal Rumbles on the trampoline and basketball tournaments and, and rollerblades and get to walk down to open gym. The house that we had after that was on Donna Avenue, 24th Street in Pacific over in the Manors. Uh, this house kind of has a, a, a special memory to us. The, the, the man who bought the home from us actually just passed away last week. And some of you, if you've been in Yuma for years, uh, there was a homeless man that would walk up and down 24th Street and Pacific Avenue, either always carrying the bags on his back and always had on some kind of long coat no matter what time of the year. That man's name was Hamilton Hill. We actually developed a relationship with Hamilton when we lived on that, well actually for me before when I worked for Pepsi, had no idea that the man, he was homeless but he was, he's very well, or was very wealthy, he just passed away. But he bought our house with cash. Um, and so, so, so obviously Tiffany even mentioned the fact that you know I've been thinking about that house a lot just because Hamilton passed away um, uh, last week. This, this is where all of my children went through uh, their teenage years uh, primarily, or some of them even, like Jermaine, even went on into uh, adulthood. I had a little office built in the back, and that's where I would do my study, that's where I would meet people. Uh, and it was an office, it was a nice office. Now, Tiffany offended me a little bit because she called it a shed, but she said, she said, the shed uh, is held together by tears, prayers, and restoration. In and out, I would see women, wives, couples walk through our home and go back to that shed. They would come out full of hope and journeying towards healing. At this, at this place is where ministry was really, really being done. 
talked about birthday parties and Bible studies. It's another negative. During that time, I was homeschooling my children, and she said that was, I don't mean to offend you there, but that was a real downer. Uh, so, <laughs> so I thought I was a pretty good teacher and principal, but didn't, didn't work out. That's not a good combination. Uh, uh, Norman, our son from India, that's when he moved in with us, was in that home. The neighbors are special and still are. The shepherds, some of you know them, Jerry, Adam, Jesse, Cecil would ride around on a bicycle and collect his cans. Her friend was boo-boo. Um, so she, she talked a lot about that. She said that place will always be our home. Atisha talked about that being a place where she'd done most of her baking. She really came into her own in baking through all hours of, of the night. Tyrone was able to, he talked about going out the back gate and could just walk down to Walmart, had lots of sleepovers. And my boys was in sports then, and so was Tisha actually. And every big game, especially when it was Kofa and Cibola, our house would end up TP'd. Every big game TP'd. Missionaries stayed in our house. It was, that was also during a time when the internet was coming, but you had to, you know, you stuck a cord in, which I'm not sure what that cord is called, but uh, not like an ethernet kind of, but yeah, you had to stick the cord in the wall. But you couldn't be on the internet and the phone at the same time. Right? So if you had a phone call coming, you had to tell them, okay, you got to get off the internet because I got a call coming. And then when the call was finished, you know, so, but, that, but Tyrone was, he said every missionary that came, they had to be trained how to use the internet. Then we moved to Topeka Place, which is out by Gila Ridge and, and Tamarack. Malachi, he said that, that house was like the house that we were always on vacation. Uh, talked about the pool. Tiffany talked about everyone, just that was a place where youth gathered. My Bible study got very large. It was always people uh, at the house, and it it was true. Any given time, I would wake up in the morning and come out of my room. My room was on the opposite end of, of the kids' rooms. I'd wake up in the morning, and there would be children everywhere. People would be in my kitchen making pancakes who I did not know. I mean, just kids everywhere, three and four deep uh, in every room. And everybody had a spare key. Everybody had a spare key. And I'm telling you, I could count dozens of times I would come home in the middle of the day from the office and somebody be sitting in my living room with the TV on, sitting there eating. And I'm like, how did you get in? Oh, I just used the key they gave me. I mean, everybody had a spare key uh, to the house, but, but there was something special about that. People knew it was a safe place. They knew it was a place that they could come, that they could, could hang out. All the, uh, she, uh, Tiffany calls it the Christian party house, the go-to, the go-to house. Tisha said, this was the house that really felt like home to me. My deepest emotions happened there. I love leading youth and doing kids' ministry and people being at our home, eating, swimming, staying all night, waking up not sure who was going to fix the pancakes first, uh, but who, who was, who was going to be gathered with us. We had a lot of Super Bowl parties there. Tyrone talked about that, the Super Bowl parties. And then he talked about uh, when he showed up at the wrong house, there was a, when we first moved into the neighborhood, um, Tyrone wasn't with us when we first moved, and, but when the first time he came, we were moving, but the first time, we were, we were already like a couple of days ahead before he uh, got back, got home and, and, and uh, to, to come back home. And he knew 
the house was on a corner. He knew the street, knew the house was on a corner, and thought for sure he knew which house it was. So sure enough, he pulls up with his stuff. He's loading his stuff out of, the, out of his vehicle going into the house, and, and the door is locked. He knows we're supposed to be there moving. He's, he's hitting on windows. They're, they got to be in there. He's knocking on the door. He's checking the door. Why don't they open the door? Well, after he went through all of that, the family inside realized somebody's really trying to break into our house. So they opened the door. They're standing there with brooms and sticks and bats and like, who is this brother trying to break into our house? And so Tom realized, oh, shoot, I'm, in the, I'm at the wrong place. Well, the next day, it got, word got around that there was some brother trying to break in people's houses in the neighborhood. So the lady directly across the street from us, I mean, they, they had a little neighborhood deal. She gets word. And so she makes these flyers and makes a description of the person who's going around breaking in people's houses. We're in our garage putting stuff up. Tyrone is with me. She runs across the street. She introduces herself because we hadn't met her, introduced herself as our neighbor and just said, I just want to let you know this neighborhood has always been safe. But now all of a sudden there's there's somebody trying to break in to our house, and here's a description. And Tyrone's standing right next to me. He, he's the culprit, and we're, we're taking it like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll look out for him. We'll look out for him. <laughs> and so, but it was, it, was, it was the house where there was so much ministry, so many small groups, so many things going on. I, I got memories on, on all of them. Topeka, actually, for me, was, was probably the one that became more home for me uh, than any. My, my relationship with Jesus doing that, living there, drastically changed. And there was a lot of, lot of reasons I won't go into why, why that happened, but I learned so much about myself and so much about my life with the Lord in that house. My hope and desire was that every place that our family has lived, that it wasn't just uh, a, a house with four walls, but it was a home. And again, I can go through memories. I can even uh, go through memories on our home since, since V and I have been, been married. But I will tell you, there is no better place for me to be. I love going home. I, I think every person should leave their work, leave their job or whatever you're doing and have a desire to be home, should have a desire to be home. That place being a place where you absolutely feel safe and comfortable and enjoyment, but there is no house for me like the house of God. There's no house for me like the house of God. The house of God to me is absolutely home. It's a place where I grow, place where I learn, place where I worship. I can tell you since I was nine years old, and I could probably count on one hand, maybe it'll stretch to two since I was nine years old, that I was not in a church on a Sunday morning. Even when V and I travel, even we're on vacation, we love to go to church. We love to be in God's house. We love the experience and the presence. We've been in, we've been in churches when, in some of our foreign countries where we cannot even understand one iota of the language, not one word of it, and yet still experience the presence of the Lord. And, and that's what the house of God is all about. It's about his presence. One of our, one of our values is this, uh, lives flourish in God's presence. We will make a place for people to experience him. 
That's our objective every week. That's why we say we're creating a place where you can encounter the reality and the presence of God. We're, we're doing that very thing so that you know that there is a real God. And this God, as he promised Solomon, he said, I will meet with my people at my house. And so I know indeed that the church, the church can be messy just like families. There can be things that take place that you might get hurt, hopefully, whenever you do get hurt, that it's, that it's not intentional. But the heartbeat of the people of God is the desire to be in his sanctuary. Out of all the things that take place in the world, all the things that we got to experience, all the things that we engage in, all the things that you, that you, that you read and, and you hear or you may run into, there ought to be a sanctuary. There ought to be a place that you're looking forward to. I want to be there. Uh, now, listen, I'm here obviously every Sunday, preach three times, but even with three services, I look forward to those worship times like we just had. Every time the Spirit of God comes into this house, I want to be the guy that says, Lord, I'm so grateful to be in your presence. No matter what's going on outside of this place, my mind right now is full of you, the presence of you in my heart. My, my whole desire is to be in that sanctuary. David said it like this in Psalm 26, 8, I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Love the sanctuary of God, that habitation where people have come together and joined together for the building up of God's house. That's the place where the Lord said he would dwell. There's an interesting passage in Exodus 33, and I think the whole section will be on the screen, but I'll only reflect on, on one area. As, as I shared with you, first the people would travel in the, the, the Lord, they would travel by tent, but they also would set up a tent for, the, for where the Lord would come and the leaders would go meet. Moses in Exodus 33, as they're doing these wilderness journeys, when the tabernacles was set up, when he wanted to pray or when he wanted to go hear from God, he would go to that tent. And the scripture says God would meet with him face to face. Whenever he did that, whenever he went to meet with God, all the other people would stand outside of their tents and they would stand while Moses was meeting with the Lord out of reverence and, and out of dignity and, and the honor of the man of God as he goes to hear from the Lord. But you'll find in this particular passage that Moses did, did just that and he did on a regular basis and he left. But then verse number 11 says, the Lord would speak with Moses face to face just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp and he would either inform them of what the Lord said or what they needed to do. But I love this. His assistant, the young man Joshua, who actually took his place when Moses was off the scene, he would not leave the inside of the tent. Joshua got this sense. If that's where God is and that's where God is speaking, and that's where the presence of the Lord is, then his thought is, if it's good enough for Moses, it's good enough for me. I want to be where the presence of the Lord is, and he would just hang out in the tent so he could spend that time with the Lord. This, this same David, who speaks so much about being in the house of God and being in the temple, he says this in Psalm 27, 4, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. And David is speaking here 
in, in, in a twofold sense. On the one hand, he's speaking on the real sense of being on earth still yet. And, and he's saying, with all the things that I do as a king and all the things that I've saw and all the things that I experienced, the one thing that I desire the most is just to spend time in the house of God. David could talk about the kingdoms that he, uh, that he took over. He could talk about the size of their armies. He could talk about the wealth uh, of, the, of the nation of Israel. There's so many things that David could talk about and, and glory in and relish in. But he says, with all of that, I just got to let you know my favorite place to be is in the house of the Lord. But he says, but he's talking also in a future sense. He's not just talking about here on earth, and that's the mindset that all of us should have because the Scriptures has made it clear to us that our God is preparing a place for us, a home. Now, we, there's so much about living here on earth that I'm sure all of us uh, enjoy, I, I, and, I, and, I, and I get it. Even, even when people pass away that we love, we want to hold on to them, and we want them to still be here even when we know they've, they've went, they went on to, to be with the Lord. There's so much we could say about life here, and I pray that God is blessing your life, and then you enjoy your life, and your life is one of goodness. But, but I'm telling you, as much as I desire to be here with you week after week, I got to tell you, I got a greater desire. There's a place that the Lord is preparing for us where we can be in His presence for all eternity and enjoy the beauty of the Lord. The house of God is a special place. It's a special place. Uh, there's been places in, on, in, in my lifetime that I, there's a few, I've been many, but there's a few that I really consider special. Gettysburg is one of those ones. I think that's a special place. The Grand Canyon, special place. Niagara Falls, special place. Garden of the Gods, special place. Alaska, special place. Meteora in Greece, special place. But there is no more special place than God's house. It's in this place, in God's house, where broken people are healed. It's in the house of God where people's dreams are encouraged. It's in the house of God where people experience faith, and their faith gets the encounter experiences. It's in God's house where His Word is honored, and His presence is powerful. We get to serve together in God's house. We get to open a future that our God has for us. It's here in God's house that we get to do life together and live together and build lifelong friendships, friendships that flourish for a, a lifetime. It's here in God's house where prayer is given and prayer is believed and prayer is answered. It's, it's here in God's house where we get to love each other of all generations and all ethnicities, where you receive the love and care of biblical shepherds. It's in God's house that there is room for everyone, and vision just keeps on growing and expanding where we can experience some genuine, expressive worship. The house of God, to me, is a special place. It's, it's a commitment I made years ago when I was a, a young man that this would be the place that I would give my life to without hesitation. I would give my life to the house of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've had some jobs I loved. I loved working for Pepsi-Cola. I'm telling you, I was a pushing Pepsi, pushing man. And you know what my slogan was? Don't do Coke. That was my slogan. <laughs> Don't do Coke. Love, love to sell Pepsi Cola. Love meeting people. It was during that time that I started the church. I, I, I loved it. But, but, but I knew that I wanted to give my life without hesitation to serve in the house of God and serving the people of God. Psalm 52, 8 and 9 says, but I am like an olive tree 
thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name in the presence of your faithful people. That, that's the, the, the no hesitation. I, I want to be that olive tree, and I'm encouraging you, be that olive tree that grows and thrives in, in God's house. You find that you can trust him, that God's love is unfailing, and it's him that you can truly, truly praise forever, being in the presence of God's faithful people. For me, the house of God is a, is a place where I want to serve with abandonment, just absolutely surrendering everything, carrying the love of God to others, carrying vision, building up people's lives, giving our hearts and our hands. Psalm 122.1 says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. It's a place where I, where I give my little, what little bit I got. Same with all of us. We may not have a lot, but, but we got a little something. We got a little faith. We, we got a little seed. We got a little love. We got, a, we got little gifts, but we can combine all that together and make a great house that can have an impact upon the world. First Chronicles 29.3 says, Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for my holy house, I will give out of my special treasure. All of us have a little something to give that makes the difference for somebody else, for the, for the world. I, uh, I read a, a story, it's been a few weeks, uh, about the completion of uh, the Milan Cathedral, which is quite a, quite a sight indeed. And they were doing the dedication. This was in 1965. And uh, this particular young gal's father was part of the the. Uh, the crew that helped build, I think even had a, a leadership role, but he, they were up front. His family was up front uh, and when they were doing the dedication and, and after they finished the dedication, the, the, the daughter shouted out, I helped build that. And so the, one of the guards there was amused by that and wanted to patronize and said, well, how, how did you help build that? And she said, every day when my dad, uh, when my dad went to work, I would be the one that brought him his lunch, that he could be able to go up there every day and build. And, and that's the mindset. We all got a little something, a little something that we can bring to say that this house is built not by this person, that person, but by people who give what they can for the house of God, that people's lives may be touched everywhere. I think many of you know that's heard me uh, any, for any length of time know that one of my favorite leaders to read uh, and to listen to speeches for is, is Winston Churchill. And one of my favorite ones is, is that th there was World War II, as, as you know, uh, Britain wasn't doing so well at the, at the beginning. And uh, as more lives was being lost and places was being bombed, uh, the coal miners, the ones that was actually going into the mines, bringing out the coal, that fueled everything, fueled the houses, fueled the ships, fueled the tanks. I mean, they obviously, they, they needed the coal. Uh, and so, but many of them, because of what they were seeing, coal miners was kind of low people on the totem pole. Not many people saw them. Obviously, they worked most of the time underground. They would work long days. It was physical. It was grueling. It was challenging. When their days was up, they would just go home, try to refresh themselves, and go back down in the mines uh, early the next day. So they, they were just kind of considered a little bit lower on the totem pole, not as well respected. And they saw their what their nation was going through, and, 
And, and so many of them started leaving the coal mines to, to go and join, join the military, which was honorable. But Churchill began to see how this was affecting the nation, how this was diminishing the, the ability for them to have what they need to continue to, to, to press on and try to overcome in this battle. So he listened to them and, and, and saw that they felt undervalued and that, that they weren't receiving much credit. And they just were stating to him that they, that they thought it would be better if they went and served their land. And so he gathered all the coal miners up in Westminster Central Hall. He made a great speech, but I'll just give you the last, the last paragraph of what he said. He's telling them, that we are going to win. He says, we will be victorious. We will persevere our freedom. And for years from now on, when our freedom is secure, and years from now, when peace reigns, your children and your children's children will come and they will say to you, what did you do to win freedom in the great war? And one will say, I was a fighter pilot. Another will say, I was in the submarine service. Another would say, I marched with the Eighth Army. A fourth will say that I was part of the convoy of the, of the merchant seamen. And he says, but you in turn, you will say with equal pride and equal right that I cut the coal. And the point he's making here is, listen, you are just as valuable as the sea merchant. You're just as valuable as the fighter pilot. We cannot win without the coal miners. Every one of us in the house of God, you may think that you're undervalued. You may think people don't know your name, that people don't see you. But let me tell you something. You are the coal cutters. We can't do what we do without people who bring their little and do what they can to help us accomplish the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And so we may not have much, but all of our, all of our littles makes a lot. And so here's my, my last point, the place, the reason the house of God is so special, because it's the place that we grow in our faith and we grow in our worship. Psalm 92, 13 says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. When you find that church home, when you find that place to plant yourself, where you become part of the whole, where you want to give yourself after you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you recognize that Christ is your Lord and Savior. You don't stop with that mindset, okay, I belong to Jesus, I'm, I'm in the kingdom of God, but he encourages us to be part of a local family, a local church, planting ourselves. He says those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord, they start to flourish. Their lives flourish in the courts of God. And it takes a healthy church. It takes a healthy community of people to evangelize lost people. There's a lot of reasons, again, why the house of God is special. We could talk further about, uh, about the missions work that we do and churches being planted and people going from, from this, this we age. I love every time I do a wedding for someone who I actually done the dedication for and, and actually presided over their baptism and then stand there and do their wedding, I'm telling you, it just tells me this is the benefit of being in the house of God. Generations are being impacted. But it's because of the message that we have. It's the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not have the greatest church uh, in the world, I know I'm on TV, probably got the greatest one in Yuma, but may not have the greatest church uh, in, in the world. But our message is absolute. It's solid. It's strong. It doesn't fail. 
we preach a Jesus Christ, a gospel, the eternal son of God came as a human being, lived a sinless life, gave himself for sinners, that every one of us can now experience this eternal life that Jesus Christ came to give us. We have the gospel message that changes lives. I love what Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. He says, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he's made it plain, all of this plain to us by appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news, through the gospel. That's where the rubber meets the road. We, 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 we may not. We may not be able to rescue people out of their homes. Maybe they got some difficult situations, living through some tough matters, hard upbringing. Everybody in the family, everybody in the household is not a believer, and they got to they gotta go home to some tough stuff. But we can help them get to a home. We can help them get to the home. We can help them settle themselves and grow in this home as we prepare them to get to the home beyond the sky. Everyone needs to know there's a home for them. There's a house for them. There's a place for them a place that they belong here on earth, and more so a place that they have in heaven. That's our desire, for this place to be a place where you can encounter the reality and the presence of God, but for this place to be a place to help you be in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it this way, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Everybody stand if you would. Prayer team, come. Just a couple of uh, prayers I'm going to make, a couple of appeals. Altars will be open. But I want to pray, first of all, obviously, if you're here and you're homeless. And I don't mean homeless like you don't have a place to go when this service is over. I don't mean homeless like you don't have a door with a lock and a key that you can go in. I don't mean homeless that you don't have a place where you can lay your head down and sit at a table and eat a meal. I don't mean homeless where there's not people somewhere waiting for you when this service is over. I'm talking about homeless because you haven't came home to Jesus. Haven't came home to Jesus. I'm telling you, our Lord and Savior is waiting with open arms. And he's saying it. He's saying it perpetually to you. Welcome home. There is a home prepared for every one of us. And it begins with trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you haven't got to that home, you haven't been ushered into that home, haven't opened up the door to that home, then I want to encourage you today is the day that you can hear the words of our Lord and Savior say to you, welcome home. I also want to pray For those of us that know Christ, that know people that are still outside of the faith. We've done a series right before Easter on on the one. And I don't want you to forget about the one. There's still some ones out there in your life, in my life, in your family, 
that have not yet come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're still on mission. It's wonderful for us to encounter the presence of God here week after week, and I'm so glad you do it. Thank you for doing it. And obviously you're flourishing and, and you're growing as the church is growing. But man, there's still room in here. There's still room. Three services, we'll keep creating more. Other people will probably preach them, but we'll still create more. But we'll create more because we, listen, people need a place where they can encounter the reality and presence of God. They need a place that they can do it here on earth that helps them get to that place where Christ wants them to be for all eternity. So that's, that's my prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, I want to thank you that today, Lord God, in this house, there may be someone, Lord God, who's, who's homeless. Homeless, Lord God, in the sense that they have not come home to you. The door has been open. You've been knocking on their heart. This is the day, Lord God. This is the day that they can answer that knock, answer that call. The Spirit is pressing in. This is the day that they can say yes to you and come home. Jesus, finish what you have done. And Lord, for each of us, Lord God, that know you, we come, we come and we encounter the reality and the presence of you. We love being here. We love being in the house. But Lord, we're leaving some folks behind. There's some folks you mind, some folks that's been on our heart. Maybe we've made some invitations to them and we just kind of let it go. But Lord, they need to encounter you. So Lord, I pray that you would just give us an, an, an urgent prompting, an inspiration, just a nudge to not let those folks go to carry them in prayer, engage in opportunity for invitation, that they also can come into this house that we so love being in, encountering you, worshiping you, being with the family of God. It's a safe place with all that they're experiencing outside of these walls in the world. This is a sanctuary. Help us, Lord God, to bring them in and let them experience you. Father, I pray that we will do your work do your work, Lord God, as you've called us to do, that we live a life that reflects that we are people that know where home is, that we're not twisted and turned by all the stuff going on in the news and in the media and politics and the world, but we are already, though we're still here on earth, we already know we're safe at home, safe at home, safe with you. Father, we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. May the people of God say amen. Listen, the altars are going to be open. If, you, if you're here and you're making a commitment to Christ, please, you can come. These dear people will pray with you. Any other needs that you have, whatever it is, whether it be illness, whether it be something that you're walking through, the church is a safe place. Getting prayer is a good thing to do, and you're in a good place and a safe place to do it. But don't leave here without connecting with your God, our Father, and connecting with someone else for prayer if you need that. We're going to go into a time of worship, and we'll be dismissed. God bless you. Have a great day.